And thank you very much, Lily. You may not know that she hasn't uh, known, she hasn't, it's the first time she's played how many of those songs? Nearly all of them tonight. Okay, I haven't played them for a long time, but we really appreciate it. Thank you. That's wonderful. And I'm preaching something I've never preached before, so <laughs> let's pray. <laughs> We're going to pray before we open God's word. Father, thank you for the scriptures. We pray that the Holy Spirit, who's the inspirer, will be our helper to understand them and apply them to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. And verse 18. Tonight we're looking at just one verse, which is uh, the conclusion, the climax of a chapter where uh, the Apostle Paul has been arguing the greatness of the gospel, the Christian gospel in the New Testament, as against the law of Moses uh, that the Judaizers in the church were trying to re-bring back in. And he's been saying about the greatness of the gospel and the power of the gospel. And he's told the story in process as well of Moses with his face shining that we've read about in the book of Exodus. And now in verse 18, the concluding verse, he says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's by the uh, New King James Version. I know if you're using a different translation, it might, uh, there's some, most of the translations follow this, but the NIV and some of the others are a little bit different. We'll try and explain why that is as we go along, but uh, and I'll put the New King James up with us, which is what we'll be preaching on. But I came across this very interesting story about a, a, a shoemaker in France who lived in the town of Nantes. I think that's how you pronounce it. And my daughter will correct me on my pronunciation later. She's good at French. And uh, this poor old shoemaker back in the days, uh, probably just after the Reformation uh, in the late 1600s, he was a, a very poor man. But one day a knock on the door had a beggar in front of him and he was asking for food, and he was asking for drink, and he said, Sir, I have a book. I would be happy to read you a chapter from my book if you give me a penny. And he said, Well, what is your book? He said, My book is the Holy Bible. And uh, he said, Well, what's that? And he said, It's a book that teaches us about God. Now, the beggar wasn't a Christian, but somewhere along the line, he had received this Bible from a pastor uh, who lived some miles away. And he had said, I'll have that. And that would be a great thing because I'll be able to earn some money from reading it to people. And it will help me out of my poverty. So he said to the shoemaker, I'll read to you a chapter if you give me a penny. Well, the, the man lived in Roman Catholic France and he was very keen to know uh, about God. And he said, yes, please, please read to me. And so the beggar opened the Bible and he gave him his penny and the beggar read to him John chapter 3. A beautiful chapter about the Lord Jesus teaching about the new birth and that glorious verse 16 for God so loved the world. And uh, the, the man listened with absolute amazement 
And he said, how is it? I have, I have never heard these words before. All these years going to the cathedral, how is it I've never heard these words before? And he said to the, to the beggar, he said, would you read me another chapter? And the beggar said, it's going to cost you a penny. <laughs> so the old shoemaker who was very poor said, I, I don't mind, I'll give you my penny. And he gave him a penny, he read on chapter 4. And he was amazed to hear about the Lord Jesus with the woman at the well saying that he was the saviour of the world. He was the Messiah. And he said, don't stop. And he said, the beggar says, it's going to cost you another penny. So the man gave him another penny. And, and basically this poor old shoemaker gave away his last few pennies to listen to the word of God. He was absolutely blown away by what he heard. He was touched to his heart. And he said, tell me, he said, where did you get this book? And he said, I got it from uh, a, a pastor who lives about 70 miles away in another town. And he said, uh, he gave it to me. And the man said, I want to know where he lives. I want to get one myself. Well, what happened was the beggar uh, had, to, had to move on and uh, the man didn't have any more money to give him. But he went to his son the next day who lived in the next street and said, son, I want you to watch the shop for me. He said, I want you to watch the shop for you. Why do you want me to watch the shop for you? He said, uh, I want to go to another town. I want to do a journey to this place. And he said, said, Dad, what are you talking about? He said, that's 70 miles away. You can't go there. He said, son, they are giving away books that tell people about God. I want one. And uh, his son said, all right, Dad, if that's what you want. And so the old shoemaker, he was an elderly man, hobbled off on his journey. Do you know he walked 70 miles to the pastor's house? This is a true story walked 70 miles in his old age to this pastor's house. And he knocked on the door and uh, the pastor said, how can I help you? And he said, I've heard that you have uh, a, a copy of the Bible here. I can, buy a, I can get a copy of the Bible here. And the man said, yes, I do keep some copies of the Bible here. Come on in. And uh, he showed the man this beautiful Bible. And uh, in those days, of course, the old type of binding and everything, it was beautiful. And he said how much money it would cost. And the, the shoemaker said, oh, I never thought about that. He said, I don't have any money. And he said, well, he said, you'll have, you'll have to come back when you've got some money. This is, you know, they're very expensive. And uh, the old man said, sir, he said, I have walked 70 miles to come here. And the pastor looked at him and said, are you serious that you walked 70 miles? He said, yes, I came from Nantes. He said, sir, if you're willing to walk 140 miles round trip to get a Bible, then I will give you a Bible. And so he said, thank you so much. And the old man said goodbye to the pastor. And he was cherishing this beautiful book. He couldn't read can't read but he said my daughter will be able to read it to me I'll get my son to read it to me my neighbor can read and he carried this Bible walked back 70 miles back to his town anyway a few few weeks later and uh, the old man had had all his family all his neighbors reading this book and then a few weeks later there was a never knock on that pastor's door again the pastor opened the door and it was the old man he'd come back he'd done that 70 miles journey again and he said to the pastor, he said, I must talk with you. He said, why? What's wrong? Is, is, is there something wrong with the Bible? He said, no, there's nothing wrong with the Bible, but there's something wrong with me. And he said, as I've listened to this book, he said, I'm all out of sorts. 
I've heard that Mary was a sinner in this book and I was taught to pray to Mary. And the pastor said, no, Mary, Mary can't save you. He said, I know. She called God my saviour. So a, save, a sinner uh, needs a saviour. She needs to be saved. And he said, I've learnt as well that God condemns those who break his law. And I've looked at his law and all the things I've done. And he said, I've read that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. And it's by his grace alone we're saved. And the pastor said, yes, that's right. He said, I think you've understood the gospel. And he said, but this is not what I've been taught. He said, no. But he said, it's what the truth is. And he said, are you telling me there are other types of church than our Roman Catholic church, which isn't like it was in France? And he said, yes. He said, there are. This is what the Reformation has been about. And uh, we have a, a, a little Baptist, uh, a little what, like a Baptist church, a Reformed church here in this town. He said, sir, I want to become a member of your church. And he said, well, you'd have to sit through a, a, an inquisition from the, the elders as they did and said, it doesn't matter. So the pastor went off, rallied up the few elders and they came down and they said, how, how do you know you're a sinner? And he quoted Romans 3.23. He hadn't read, been able to read it, but he'd memorized it as the Bible had been read to him. And he said, how do you know Jesus is the only way of salvation? And he quoted John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. And every question they laid before him, he answered with a Bible verse that he had memorized because he'd had it read. And, they, and he said, what are you trusting in? He said, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ alone. And uh, they said, well, we'll be so pleased to welcome you into our church. And they, they gave him, like we sometimes give when somebody becomes a church member here, they gave him a certificate of membership. But he said, uh, would you wrap it? It's so precious to me. He said, I'd like to take it home wrapped up. So the man said, certainly. And he found an old piece of paper and he wrapped it up. And uh, the, the, the old shoemaker carried away this uh, certificate of church membership. He'd been truly saved by trusting in Jesus. And he'd been welcomed into a church that he never knew, knew existed because he'd only ever lived in Roman Catholic circles up until then. And then a few weeks later, there was another knock on the pastor's door. And this same old man had made another 70 miles journey back to visit the pastor. And he said, my friend, he said, it's good to see you. But he said, but what brings you here? He said, I've come for the meeting tonight. He said, what meeting tonight? And he said, that when you wrapped up my certificate of membership, he said, you wrapped it up in a piece of paper. And it said, there's a meeting of the Bible Society here tonight. And the pastor looked at him and said, oh, my dear friend, I'm so sorry, but... That was an old piece of paper. That Bible Society meeting was years ago. He said, the Bible Society here has, I'm afraid, collapsed because of lack of interest. And the old man looked at him and said, what? Are people not interested in giving out this book and telling people this book? This book has changed my life. This book has saved me and brought me to faith in Jesus Christ. We must start the Bible Society again. And the pastor said, how right you are. And the two of them started going around the other church members from this church who lived in this pastor's town. And they rallied them up and they had a Bible Society meeting that night. And that's how the Bible Society in France got started. It's a true story. Because one old man had his life changed by the word of God. And if you're a true Christian here tonight, then you've had your life changed by the message of this book too. Because this is the most powerful book in the world. This is not a normal book. This is the word of the living God. 
And it's a dynamic book. And this book has the power to do great things in our lives. Now, I know if you're a Christian, you already know that. But what I suspect if you're a Christian is you don't realize how amazing this is. As I've worked on this passage, I was amazed to read what other preachers said about this, this book. Warren Wisby, a great Bible commentator, said this verse, this verse we're looking at here in verse 18, he said this verse is the climax of the chapter and it presents a truth so exciting that I marvel so many believers have missed it or ignored it. The great preacher George Duncan said this This verse 18 is one of the most tremendous statements that Paul has ever made about the Christian life. And I agree with him after working on it. Because this Bible shows three great miracles that take place in your life when you read the Bible. And I want to share this with you. But I want to say this. The miracles I'm going to share with you tonight are miracles that only happen in the lives of those who are believers, those who are born again. You'll notice Paul starts off this verse, verse 18, with a phrase. He says, but we all with unveiled face. Now, what's he talking about here? He's referring back to the story of Moses coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. And Moses had been up Mount Sinai with God 40 days and nights, and he had been in the presence of the Lord. And as he came down the mountain, he'd been with God so long, his face was radiating the glory of God, reflecting, I should say, the glory of God. And his face was bright and shining. And when the people saw him, they stood back in fear. They were frightened because of the brightness on Moses' face. They recognized this wasn't earthly, this was of God. And so Moses had to wear a veil over his face when he was with the people so that they couldn't see uh, this bright glory. And they couldn't also see the fact that actually it was fading away. And that veil became uh, a bit of a symbol in Paul's thinking of the veil that blinds the Jewish people to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Moses wore a veil that covered them from seeing the glory. So Paul said earlier in this chapter, even now in verse 15, but even to this day when Moses, when the books of Moses are read, a veil lies on their heart. He says they can read the Bible, they can read the Jewish scriptures, they can read the Old Testament, and they do. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll see the rabbis, and they have libraries and libraries and libraries, and they're studying and they're studying and studying, but they don't see Jesus. They don't see Jesus. If you go in there and say, Jesus is Lord, they'll throw you out for blasphemy. Even though they've got all these Bibles and books. Because there's a veil, a spiritual veil over their eyes. And they can't see the truth of it. But Paul says when we've become a Christian, he says the veil is taken away. Verse 16, nevertheless when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And in verse 18 he says we all with unveiled face. So those of us who are Christians have had our faces unveiled from the Uh, the blindness that was there before we trusted in the Lord Jesus. And when we turned to the Lord, the veil was taken away. And that's why Paul can go on to say what he's going to say in the next part of the verse. So I want to say tonight, this is for those who've had the veil taken away.
And I want to ask, is that true of you, before I go any further? Have you seen the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in him? If you haven't seen it, you're not yet a Christian. You may be religious, you may be uh, polite and mild-mannered and nice, you may be a good citizen, but you're not a Christian unless you see the truth about the Lord Jesus and put your trust in him. But I pray tonight God will take away the veil from your eyes so you trust in him. But if you have, then there are three great miracles that take place every time you read your Bible. Because what Paul has been talking about is how the Jews, when they read the scriptures, they can't see these things. But Paul says, but when we do it, something amazing happens. And these are the three miracles. I'm going to unpack them one by one. Number one, when you read your Bible, you see a face looking back at you. Number two, when you read your Bible, you experience a change happening in you. And number three, when you read your Bible, you invite a person to come and live inside you. And uh, I want to take you through these three things, which are in this single verse here, verse 18, one by one. And I pray that the end result will be your worship to the Lord and uh, some claiming this by faith for themselves. First of all, then, the first miracle that happens when you, when you read your Bible, and I trust you read your Bible every day, is that you see a face looking back at you. And this is what Paul says in verse 18, as you can see there on the screen or here in my Bible. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, Paul likens the Bible here to a mirror. Now, that's not in the NIV, I understand. It's, uh, it says we all reflect uh, God's glory. And that's a, uh, it's a difficult part of Greek, and they've chosen to interpret it that way. But the general um, consensus of the scholars is that what Paul is talking about is our looking into the glory of God. And he's, they say that when Moses was... Veiled, he was talking to the people, but when Moses was with God, as we read, he unveiled his face, and that's what we're talking about here. So we're not talking about the reflecting that the NIV says, but the looking, the beholding in the Bible. And he says here that the Bible is like a mirror. And uh, a mirror is a wonderful thing. It's a reflective thing, isn't it? Samuel told me a joke once that he was applying for a job cleaning mirrors in a big shop. He said, that's a job I can see myself doing. <laughs> uh, he's like his father of those corny jokes. But, you know, the Bible is a, is a book that is like a mirror. James tells us this in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing a, his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James says when you look in a mirror, you might see yourself there and uh, you need to go and wash if you see yourself dirty. And spiritually, he says that's true. When you see sin uh, highlighted in your life as you read the Bible, then you need to go and clean yourself. But I want you to know this mirror is a mystical mirror because it's not the type of mirror just that shows you yourself. It's a mirror that shows you someone else as well. And I couldn't think of where I'd seen this in a film, but my family helped me to remember. Have you ever seen Beauty and the Beast? 
All right, the uh, Disney cartoon uh, based on the classic story. And Belle is held captive in the Tower of the Beast, and they end up falling in love. And uh, the Beast is about to declare his love to Belle, and she suddenly sighs, and he says, what's wrong? She says, I wish I could see my father. And he thinks for a moment, and he says, hang on a minute, there is a way. And he gets this mirror And he shows her this mirror and she can see herself in it. But he says, it's a magical mirror. He says, if you speak into it what you want to see, it will show you what you want to see. And she looks inside the mirror and she says, I want to see my father. And she can see her father by this magical mirror. It shows her her father elsewhere who's actually coming to rescue her, as I remember in the story. Well, something like that is what this Bible is. And what it is, is a a book, which is a mirror, but it's a, a mystical mirror. That when you look in it, you don't see your face looking back at you. You see another face looking back at you. What does Paul say? But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We see the Lord in this book. And we see the glory of the Lord. And as we're face to face with this book, we are seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that means that when we read through the Bible, we can see Jesus in many passages of Scripture. Of course, we see him in the Gospels and we read about him in the Epistles. But it means we can also see him in the Old Testament as well. We see him in the prophecies in Isaiah, don't we, of the, of the one who was going to come and die for our sins and so on. We see him in the typology, the sacrifices in the temple and so on. In the life of Joseph, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. But I want to say to you, I believe that is only skimming the surface. Because, you see, what Paul is talking about here is something which I believe is supernatural. You see, this book is not like any other book. And you are never closer to the Lord than when you are reading your Bible. And when you are looking in your Bible, I believe you are looking through a spiritual portal to the face of Jesus. And he is looking back. This is a mirror, a face looking back at you. We behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. It's like the Song of Songs, where the the woman in the Song of Songs can hear the voice of the bridegroom through the lattice in the door. The door is there. And you know what? When you're in your Bible time at home and you're reading your Bible, what are you doing? You're, you're bent over, aren't you? You're in a position of worship and you're reading the scripture. And, and you know what? You're, you may not be conscious of it, but it's really happening. You're beholding the Lord. Now, I'm not sitting there looking for pictures of Jesus in the text. Maybe if I hold it this way, it doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that I literally always see the face of a man or every verse is a description of something Jesus did. But as I'm reading it, I am having an encounter with the Lord himself. I want to tell you, that to me is an insight that changes Bible reading. That means to me that my Bible reading is something I don't want to miss. Because when I read my Bible, I am with 
my Lord. This is a spiritual thing when you open this book. I remember hearing a preacher say one time, you treat, your Bible, you treat Jesus the way you treat your Bible. And you know what? The more I've lived, the more I've seen that's true. People who neglect their Bibles neglect the Lord Jesus Christ. People who love their Bibles love the Lord Jesus Christ. The way you treat your Bible. Because you see, Jesus is the word become flesh. And this is the word in print. This is Jesus in print. And this is a spiritual book. So when we're reading it and we're studying it, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. This is the closest we will ever be on earth to being face to face with the Lord. It's a supernatural thing. It's an amazing thing. Think of the insight of that. Think of the intimacy of that. You want to be close to the Lord. How do you get close to the Lord? We put some Christian music on or you, you watch a Christian film or you watch a YouTube video or something. No, if you want to get close to the Lord, read your Bible. I don't care whether you read it on a phone. I don't care whether you read it by Braille if you're blind or whatever. But read your Bible and you will get intimate. You will get close to the Lord. Now, it's not as close as we're going to be in heaven, but it is pretty good. Paul said it like this in his previous epistle in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. He said, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. (laughs) But he's talking about the same thing. We see the Lord in this word. And the closer we get to this book and study it, then the closer we are to the Lord Jesus. But think of the invitation. The Lord is saying, will you meet with me? Will you meet with me? Will you spend time with me? When you spend time with the Bible, you're spending time with Jesus. What a miracle is taking place when you open this book. You see a face looking back at you. I hope that will change your perception of Bible reading forever. So that it no longer becomes like this, oh, I suppose as a Christian I've got to read my Bible. It's time with the Lord. And any moment you can get. You know, I read of one old plumber who was a a Christian and he used to carry a little testament in his breast pocket. And throughout the day he'd keep pulling out. And somebody said, you keep reading that book? He said, yeah, that's right. He said, every 15 minutes I try to read a little bit of my Bible. Every 15 minutes, he said, every 15 minutes. Think of that. Just by keeping a little New Testament in his pocket, he kept pulling it out. He wanted to be close to the Lord. Now, that may not work for you and your job, but it worked for him and his. But you get the point. It was an invitation to a great thing. Second thing I want you to see, second miracle that happens is you experience a change that is happening in you. Because as this verse goes on, Paul says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When we read our Bibles, a change starts to happen to us. We are being transformed. That word transformed is a very interesting word. It's used in another place in the Bible. It's used of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17 or Mark chapter 9. And his face shone like the heavens, like the sun. And uh, he was transfigured before uh, Peter, James and John. 
And it's used here of us as Christians. We also are being transfigured. The Greek word is metamorphe, which is a metamorphosis. It's a change. It's what happens to a butterfly when it's coming out of its cocoon. It's being changed and transformed. And this is what Paul says. He says, we are being transformed into that same image that we see in the Bible. We're being transformed into the Lord Jesus' image, into his glory. Now that's something I wouldn't dare to say if it wasn't in the Bible, because it would sound blasphemous. But it is what scripture says. We're being transformed from... uh, into the same image from glory. You know, when the Lord Jesus was on earth in John chapter 17, verse 22, he prayed this uh, in his prayer, high priestly prayers, we call it, before going to the cross. He said, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So the amazing thing is, the Lord's glory is already to a degree on his people. But as we study the Bible, we are transformed into the same image of Christ, from glory to glory. There's an amazing change that is happening to us. Let me tell you another story about the power of the Bible. There was uh, uh, many years ago uh, 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 a very uh, big prison in London, and this man knocked on the door and asked to see the official who was in charge. And he said, I wonder, he said, do you have a part of the prison where they keep the worst of the worst of the worst prisoners? And he said, yes, we do have a part of a prison like that. He said, well, I, I, I work for a local church as a minister, he said, and I would like to come and read the Bible to those people. And he said, oh, you can't go in there. He said, you won't come out alive. He said, I can only go in there if I have guards to protect me. And he said, well, I won't be going in unarmed. (laughs) He said, I'll have my sword. And the man said, if you want to go in, you can. He said, but you must do so at your own risk. He said, I will give you a signal. Which, if they turn on you, you can sound that signal. He said, but I can't promise we'll get to you in time. The man said, I'm not worried. I believe in the power of this book. So anyway, they took the man and they locked him in the prison cell with this dozen or so people who were the worst and most dangerous offenders in the London prison. And he said, gentlemen, I have come here today to read to you from the Bible. Now, this was a novelty. I mean, they were quite bored. In those days, prisons weren't like they are now with uh, facilities to help entertain the inmates. And uh, they actually said to him, go on then. And when he started reading, they sat quiet and listened. And at the end, he said to them, that's all I'm going to read to you today. He said, would you like me to come back and read to you again? And they said, yes, please. Well, he got out alive. The prison warden uh, was quite surprised at that. And uh, he said, I'm coming back. The men have said they'd like me to come back. And the man said, okay, you can come back then. Well, he came back. In fact, he came back another 12 times. And on his 12th visit, he came to see the prison warden. And the prison warden said, well, you might as well have saved yourself the effort coming today. He said, because all those men are now out of that unit into other normal parts of the prison 
because of their character has been changed by what they've heard in your book. That's the transforming power of this book. And that's what it can do in the lives of everyone, but especially in the life of a Christian. As we listen to the Bible, as we read the Bible, we are being transformed by it, transfigured. And it is a supernatural work that is happening. And uh, this is the goal of the Christian life, that we be brought to glory you know this is what the Lord Jesus came to do? In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, it says that he came to bring many sons to glory. You see, we all tend to think that salvation is just about the forgiveness of sins. Praise God for the forgiveness of sins. I need it. But it's not just the forgiveness of sins. God wants to bring us to glorification. And that's God's goal for us. Read Romans 8, 29. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, it justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. That's where God's taking us, to glorification. Peter says that we are partakers of God's divine nature. Have you ever thought how staggering that is? But that's what's happening to us when we read this book. We're being changed. Now think of that. Think of the final goal. The final goal is God bring you to glory. To glory. That's an astounding thing. You know, this is an encouragement to us. Because Paul is very honest in the book of Corinthians. In chapter 5, he talks about the deterioration of our bodies. And he says the outward man is perishing. But he's already said in chapter 3 that the inward man is being renewed day by day. And we are being transformed to glory. This is an encouraging thing, isn't it? The final goal that God has for you is not to be a decrepit mess, but to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's where God is taking us. But not only that, It's our gradual process, I want you to see from this. Because he says, we're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. You see, it doesn't all happen in a great rush. It happens in stages. I came across a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. Sheep get to be like their shepherd, it is said, but slowly. (laughs) And that is what Paul is talking about here. The changes by degree. I don't know how Tony Blair feels about this, but a number of newspapers uh, have shown photographs that people have made where they have transformed Tony Blair into other people by taking one photo of him, one photo of someone else, and doing these stages in between. On top you can see Tony Blair turning into James Bond, Piers Brosnan. In the middle you can see David Cameron, him becoming David Cameron, which I'm sure neither of them would feel happy about. And on the bottom he becomes Nick Clegg. But can you see, each one of those transformations has to go through stage by stage by stage to get there. Well, that's what Paul is saying is happening to you and me in our Christian life. We're being transformed by degrees, as it says in one translation, from one degree of glory to another. That gives me a lot of hope. Because you know what? 
I tend not to feel that glorious. Most of the time I feel pretty bad about the stuff I'm doing. But actually Paul says, I'm already glorious and I'm being made more glorious. And it's going by degree, by degree, by degree. I hope you find encouragement like that. It doesn't say it's going in leaps. It says it's going by degrees. And that's why reading your Bible matters so much. Because every time you read your Bible, that transformation is happening a little bit more. When I was learning to play guitar, my guitar teacher said to me this, and it inspired me. He said, remember this, every single time you pick up your guitar, whether you just walk past it and you play it for 10 seconds, or you sit down on a Saturday afternoon and play it for two hours, every single time you pick up your guitar, you're better than you were the time before. And that's true, and any musician will tell you that's true about them learning to play. Well, that's true spiritually too. Every time you read your Bible, the transformation happens and the progress is taking place and you are growing. Some of you are battling sin and you get frustrated. You read in the Bible. I know what this feels like. I read in the Bible. The Lord Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And you read that and say, well, that's wonderful, Lord, but why do I keep doing it? Because I can't stop. Have you ever battled with sin like that? I have. I'm being honest to you. But you know what happens? We're not set free in a rush. The chains get broken one by one. And degree leads to degree, leads to degree, leads to degree of transformation. And God is ultimately working a change in us that will happen over time. But he's bringing us to glory that is a supernatural thing. The book of Proverbs, it says it like this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's like the sun coming up. And you see the sun come up, but you don't suddenly, whoa, that was bright. Where'd that come from? It comes up by degrees, doesn't it? And it gets brighter and brighter. Uh, Sharnock, who was a, a famous theologian, he said it's like an artist. He see, if, if you see an artist, he'll start off with a sketch of a person. And he's made the image of the person. And that's like God's first works in you. But then when he sketched the person, he adds pale colours and starts building up the depth. And then he adds darker colours and then he adds texture and then he adds detail. And he's adding and adding and adding and adding until you have the perfect portrait of the person he's making. That's like God's work in us. The transformation that is happening inside us from one degree to another as we read our Bible. And I want to tell you this. That's why I don't want to miss a single day reading my Bible. Some people say, well, you know, I've read it and it doesn't seem to work for me. If you keep reading it, it will do. If you give up, it won't do. But it's when you read your Bible that this miracle happens. So persist and keep letting God's word work inside you. The third miracle we see here is that you invite a person to come and live in you. And the last part of this verse says this, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, all this changing is being done by the author of this book, 
the Holy Spirit. And he is working in us. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I'm a very visual person. Have you ever thought about when you open your Bible, it looks like you're opening a door? There's a similarity, isn't there, between the opening of a Bible and the opening of a door? Well, literally, when you open your Bible and you start reading, a person comes to start working inside you. The Holy Spirit of God. Selwyn Hughes, who wrote The Everyday with Jesus, notes, said this, you will know that God is in it, meaning in this book, for God will come out of it. And he's right, absolutely. When we were growing up, we had a, 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 an elder in the sort of brethren-type mission church that we went to, and uh, he used to tell this story a lot, and it's stayed with me ever since. But he told about this missionary who uh, was out in, the, in, in some part of Africa and he had to leave the tribe to go home uh, on furlough. And he, he'd got these young Christians and he didn't know really what was going to become of them. He'd just been able to tell them about the gospel and he had some need he had to go back to England for and he had to leave them. But he took the Bible and he, said, he taught them to read and they had the Bible in their language. He said, look, I'm leaving you the Bible. Eventually I will be able to come back. He said, but just read the Bible and follow it. Anyway, years later, he he was able to go back and he really wondered to himself, what on earth am I going to find? And when he came back to this tribe, he found a thriving Christian community. I mean, these people, they had been wild men before. (laughs) They really had. But now they were living the New Testament. And he was amazed. And he spoke to uh, the, the, one of the, the men who was the leaders of the tribe. And he said, what happened? He said, well, you gave us that book and we read it. But you didn't tell us there was a resident boss. He said, and when we read the book, the resident boss said, you do this. And the resident boss said, you stop doing that. And the man realized the resident boss he was talking about was the Holy Spirit inside. You see, this is what Paul says. This change that comes, it's not going to come by my sweating and my hard work and my keeping the law. This is what Paul's point is in 2 Corinthians. It's not your work. It's God's work. And it comes by the Spirit of the Lord. In fact, this is a deity proof text. It's the Lord who is the Spirit. And uh, he is not only resident, he is president and he takes control and he helps us as he works. So when we start to read, then we allow this person into our life. When you open your Bible, it's like opening a door saying, Holy Spirit, come and work in me. These are three amazing miracles that can happen when you read your Bible. But you know what? I know some people will walk out of here tonight and go, eh. Well, I'll tell you something. 2013, in Australia, a bank called the National Australia Bank did a poster campaign. And in their poster campaign, they had some posters. Now, I know that's a bad photo. I can't help that. It's the only one because I wasn't there, okay? So anyone get off the, off the internet. But that is a photo of a check. And it's for $2,240, a huge check. And and, uh, you can look at this online. If you want to go on YouTube, put in NAB 
giant check. And you'll watch where this company, this bank company, they set up a, a webcam opposite this poster. And after the day, on the day it was put up, you'll see cars going backwards and forwards, you'll see people walking their dogs past it and so on. But eventually, this poster, you'll see the shadows moving around as daylight goes on. Eventually, one lady comes along and she sees this giant check with no name written on the top. And you know what she does? She goes to the corner and she peels it off and she finds underneath a message from the bank. This person who's just taken this check knows what it's like to have one of our mortgages. And it turned out it was a real check. And she took it to the bank, and so did four other people. There were four of them across Australia. And they cashed in $2,240. But you know what? Most of the people had seen it, walked past it, oh yeah, and done nothing to it. One person saw it and said, that's for me. I am having it. And they had the faith to take it. As soon as she took it, do you know what happens on the video? The traffic stops. All these cars that are going like this, all the way through this video, nine hours, suddenly they stop. What? You mean that was real? And I could have had it. Yes, you could have had it. But you didn't go and take it. And do you know what? That's what it'll be like at the end of time for many Christians. You know, they'll see this promise and other promises like in the Bible. So what? That's real? I could have had that? Yes, but you read it, but you didn't really believe it was for you. You didn't say, I'll take that, thank you. I'll have it. But I don't want you to be like that. I've shown you tonight three miracles that can happen when you read your Bible. Take them, take them, and love your Bible like never before. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, you will see a face looking back at you when you read this Bible. Unconsciously, you will be face to face with Jesus. You will experience a change because it says we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. You may not feel it, but God sees it. The angels see it. And your brothers and sisters may see it as well. You're being changed. The Bible says so. And you will invite somebody to come in and live in your life, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's up there. If you want it, come and take it. May God bless each one of us to do that.